Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. It is a little after 11. We're in Little Lamp's Coffee Shop as usual. It's a quiet day here in Harrisburg, and that's for a good reason that we'll get into. With me to talk about that is Jason Gottesman of the PLS Reporter, City and State PA. Jason, thanks for coming down. Good to be here, Katie. Uh, it is a quiet day, but I don't know if it's for a good reason. Um, <laughs> it's for a reason. It's for very troubling reasons, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. But um, you know, but here we are nonetheless. It's Friday, and the legislature is not home or here. They're all home. They're all home, which makes it a little easier for us to do this with some certainty uh, as we, we proceed into yeah, nothing's uh, going to happen. The Columbus Day weekend. So right. So. Um, just to set the stage, I mean, yeah. I think we're, we're going to go through this chronologically yes. to lay out everything that happened this week, because if you've been paying attention to the Harrisburg goings-on, it's been a lot of stuff, and it's been a lot of dramatics. So um, legislatures, the legislature came in this week. The House and Senate were in together for the first time in weeks and weeks. Yeah, weeks, and the Senate actually was not supposed to be in. The, the, before they announced last week um, that, that they were coming into session, they were not scheduled to be in until October 16th, which now they are rescheduled to be back in. Then at the, at the, at the latest, I guess they could come back earlier than that. But yeah. so they weren't, they weren't supposed to be in, but it seemed like coming into Monday that there was, there was a, a deal. You know, if you, if you looked at it from, from afar on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, it looked like there was a, a house, there was some structure to it. But as we got into Monday and then later Tuesday and Wednesday, it was just in reality, a house of cards. Uh, and, it, it fell, I think, a lot quicker than people thought it was going to and a lot easier than, than, than we felt like it was going to happen. But it did, it did fall in a very dramatic way later in the week. But starting on Monday, um, you know, you came in to have this deal that had uh, different components to it. But uh, the real sort of linchpin component was this uh, uh, commercial storage tax, this warehouse tax. And I think really the specifics of it, were sort of shaky from yeah. the beginning because it started out being, I think, all commercial storage facilities, and then there was just like going to be a carve out for third party storage. So, like, you know, Amazon has a warehouse and they store, say, like um, some sort of, uh, you know, craft vendors' yeah. supplies in there that would be subject to the tax, but product owned by Amazon would not be. And so, this is all part of lawmakers' a, a chance. Tr- attempt to fill like a hundred million dollar hole right so and, and to be fair i mean like we've been talking yeah. about how much recurring revenue we need for ages and ages right. uh, a lot of people were saying it was much larger than that closer to 700 million ish right so it really the number and the amount of recurring revenue they ultimately were trying to get was much smaller doesn't make a right. whole lot of difference even well no and i but you know this was going to be com- combined with gaming right. uh to get about i think they said like 250 million yeah. um I heard some small uh, small liquor component of this was supposed to get around $10 million. They were allegedly floating the idea of this cash register thing yeah. where you could buy beer and um, wine at a single cash register or the same cash registers as you normally would shop, but they would sell licenses to do that. I heard that idea was floated as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there was going to be, I think, about a total of, like three hundred fifty, four hundred million dollars in recurring revenue, but this hundred million dollar component is really what 
this week lived and lived and died on right. and ultimately died. And so we, you know, we got in. We're all trying to you know, run around and get information because right. nothing's coming out officially. You know, we're hearing about this warehouse tax. This warehouse tax never materializes. Right. Right? They didn't have the votes for it. And this was, I, I will say, yeah. uh, the House Republicans have been very testy about this in the aftermath. They've been saying this wasn't even our thing originally. This was something that was in Governor Tom Wolf's budget. Right. They're the ones who brought it up, and they're the ones who are attempting to get votes for it. So, well, right. I think I think it. it I think it. They, so I think a lot of things we're going to be talking about today, they're both right and they're both wrong. Right. Um, so, was was this an originally a House Republican idea? I think you can. There's there's a very correct argument that dating back to February, no, this is a, a wolf idea. Yeah. But what a number of different people said is that they went into the last round of budget negotiations last week. And Republicans said, House Republicans said, look, we cannot lift the severance tax right now. We cannot lift X, Y, and Z. So the, the governor and the Senate Republicans put on the table, hey, how about you try this? Yeah. And apparently uh, House Republican leadership signed off on trying to do it. So was it their idea originally? No, but it, what they, they promised to at least try, try to do yes, it. Yes, and so they tried that. It, right. That failed first, and then we got into a second iteration of their plan, and this was right. originated by House Republicans, and it ended up being a hotel tax, a 5% tax right. across the board that would largely hit you know, cities. Right, an additional tax. So additional hotels, tax. hotels already pay a 6%, 6% occupancy yeah. tax, um, which is basically their version of the sales tax. Uh, they also pay a local tax to the communities in which they are located, or the counties in which they're located, right. which varies between 3 and 8.5%. And some have taxes to their cities as well. Right, correct. So, like, Philadelphia has a special hotel tax, yeah. and so this would be an additional 5% tax on top of that, and this would have driven Philadelphia's hotel tax to the highest in the nation. Pittsburgh's uh, to second P- highest. Pittsburgh's to the second highest. And the, the hotel industry was, one, caught entirely by surprise. Nobody is even right. sure... Who put this idea on the table? Of course, it was again. I think one of the one of the governor's original budget plans. But how it got back on the table? Yeah, nobody really knows. That it's that's sort of a mystery. It is a mystery. Um, so that we got that. What was it? Tuesday night. That kind of came into being late Tuesday. I mean, no, I think I think it was more like Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoonish. Well, yeah, we started. We knew right. about it Tuesday afternoon. Right. Then they voted it through committee towards the evening. Right. They and were going to come back onto the floor to vote at them, but something happened and they didn't. Right. So yeah. So there's a couple things at play. One, people actually started to get informed about the implications <laughs> of what this hotel tax would do. Right. Democrats got mad about it. Right. Two, um, it's a tax, so Republicans are tough, hard to get votes. Three, um, the, my understanding is the House Democratic Caucus promised a certain number of votes to get this over the finish line. And due to pressure from Philadelphia, labor unions, um, part, party bosses in, in, in Philadelphia, and you know pushback from the hotel community, those votes never really materialized. Right. Um, and... You know, I think that was a lot of the angst that we saw on Wednesday um, and, right. and so later in the day on Tuesday. I'm not trying yeah. to jump ahead, but, yeah. you know, they, there was my, an understanding that on Tuesday they were going to be able to, to, to put this up and Republicans will put up what they call their, you know, what everybody calls their fair share, both right. sides, which is, you know, votes that they really have to work hard to get. And the intention was, I believe, to actually come back on the floor on Tuesday, at least to either begin debate or, or vote it. Yes. And then about 830... They said, no, we're not coming back. Um, and then everybody had the intention of coming back Wednesday. 
and starting it again. And there was an early morning caucus. Um, and I don't. Am I getting too far? No, no. no. I and, mean, this is good. So yeah. we, yeah, we expected some sort of debate or a vote Tuesday night. It didn't happen. We weren't totally sure why, but it, you know, that's not a, never a good sign. Right. Um, came back Wednesday morning. You know, still some optimism from you know House Republicans, especially who think they're going to get this thing over the finish line. Right. I think they really did think that going into Wednesday. Well, yeah, and I think that they felt like. I mean, I talked to people, you know, on House Republican uh, leadership you know, staff uh, today, and it was kind of like there was an idea that there was going to be, they, you know, they that leaders, that leaders had intended on staying here yeah. until it was done, whether it be the hotel tax, whether it be the warehouse tax, whether it be X tax yeah. or that revenue generator are, later. We're here till it's done. Right. We're here till- until we pass something. Right. So then, um, you know, we have them coming in, trying to get this thing finalized. Um, as you said, Republicans were not going to be putting up a majority of the votes for this Republican right. plan, which is kind of a rare thing for them to try and do. They don't right. do it super often. So it wasn't going to be a majority of the majority voting for this. It was going to be a portion of the majority. And uh, and then they were really relying on Democrats to put up a lot of the votes. Right. And Democrats, you know, realized that their caucus didn't support this thing. And so they were being, you know, they were in caucus for a lot of the morning on Wednesday. Uh, Republicans were in talks. I think they still thought it was going to pass. And then they went to the floor. And, uh, Jason, what happened? Well, That's when it all kind of hit the fan. Yeah, so they were, so the, so Wednesday was one of these days where they had, they, they caucused a lot. They had a lot of talks, which ba- basically meant that, they were trying to encourage their caucus yeah. to support whatever, certain members to support whatever. And we knew the governor was in the building. He was supposed right. to meet with Democrats. We were waiting for him to do that. He didn't. Right. My, yeah, my understanding is he actually was calling individual members or talking to individual members. But by Wednesday afternoon, it seemed like this hotel tax thing was a lost cause. And um, the governor, I wouldn't say he wouldn't be welcomed into the House Democratic Caucus room, but it seemed like that would be something that, that – was would not be a good use of his political capital at the time, so they did not do that. Um, I, I, you know, so what happened was, um, so they go back on the floor <laughs> to kind of move through some of these just sort of housekeeping bills, and House Democrats sort of out of the blue bring up this resolution to discharge um, the, the, the well, right, yeah. to get the severance tax out of the House Environmental Resources and Energy Committee and out of the floor. Yeah. And Republicans said this is a bit of a sneak attack. They didn't expect this now. Of course, there had been rumors that this was going to be happening for weeks. So, yeah. um, And they let it proceed. And kind of for about 15 minutes or 20 minutes on the floor, all hell broke loose. Um, and in the meantime, while this is going on, the governor calls a press conference to kind of outline what we'll talk about in a few minutes, but all the while, while that's going on, this discharge resolution move failed um, after, you know, really members... contentious debate. Yeah, people were booing each other and cheering each other, yeah. and members were asked to sit down and, you know, be quiet. And just for quiet. some context on the discharge resolution, because even to yeah. this day, after this thing failed, you know, House Democrats still maintain that if they get this thing to the floor, it'll pass. Right. And a floor vote on a severance tax will pass. Right. There's a good chance they're correct on that. But a discharge resolution is a tougher vote because it's essentially a vote to circumvent the committee where this right. bill has been stuck and to get it to the floor. So it's not a vote for the severance tax per se. It's a vote to go around the process that right. Republicans control. And that, that and makes, Republicans have to vote for this. And that makes uh, people very uncomfortable. Right. Um, 
because you have people who might be inclined to support the, uh, a severance tax who are committee chairmen. Right. And committee chairmen like to have the power that they have, right? They have the power to decide which bills get brought up or not. And a vote to circumvent the process has practical implications for them. Yeah. And, and that's difficult. There's other people who would like to be committee chairmen. Right. And there's, so you have sort of that thing. Now, um, I did talk to Representative Gene DiGirolamo uh, Wednesday morning because the Southeastern Republicans from the Senate and the House had a meeting. And, you know, he said he would not be who said, like, I don't care about the process. I want to get this to the floor. Right. Well, we but, saw that from a couple of, uh, you know, Southeastern Republicans, specifically right. Kate Harper. Right. Uh, again, she's a chairman. She's a, she's a chairman of right. a committee, and she also sponsored this severance right. tax bill. And she got up on the floor and was, I mean, had some very strong words right. for her so, own party, the chairs of her party. She yep. basically said, what are you guys scared of? Let's talk about this. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's a... A politically risky move for her. She but, is a Republican. And she said, look, it's October. Yeah. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously that didn't resonate. Yeah. Um, so it, that failed. That yeah, it, it failed. It failed. Uh, a lot not, of Democrats didn't vote for it. Right, exactly. I mean, there it was a, it was a, I mean, some Republicans did vote for it. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't say that they didn't. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think this, this showed, and, and look, you know, House Majority Leader Dave Reed said later in the, later in the day, that a severance tax is not just a simple thing to do. It, you know, there is people who, who worked years and years and years on trying to put one together, and it's just so complicated. It's not like something you can rush through. You know, it's not like going out to a to a to an, a, an appliance store and buying a new dishwasher, right? You know, like. You know, you have to do a lot more research. A lot more things are at stake. And, There's and also always more stuff attached to it. You're right. not going to get a severance tax through without, right. for instance, this has always been the case in our, you know, legislature. You know, putting on environmental, you know, things that would basically compromise the regulations that we currently have in place. Which is why some Democrats didn't vote for this. They're concerned about what could be attached to it later. Right. So you had, you know, Greg Vitale, Greg Vitale. Uh, uh, a very environmentally conscious Democrat from Delaware County, who. Honest, honestly said he was the first one to ever float a severance tax. And so what – but he said, I am not going to be voting for anything to advance a severance tax unless, you know, these environmental thing changes are taken away because there has – that has deeper implications for him. So, yeah, it was a kind of across the board, right. um, you know, sort of like, you know, maybe not. Now, I have, I have kind of heard that this effort might not necessarily be entirely dead. Governor um, Wolf certainly seems to think it's not dead. Right, and there's still a couple more moves they can pull. Um, I think there'll probably be more on that uh, TBD, but um, it won't you know, die. No, and, and you know, a, a natural gas lobbyist uh, who's who's arguing or lobbying against the severance tax once told me that it'll it'll always be an issue until it finally exists. So, um, you know, I think there's a certain understanding on behalf of the industry that that this is eventually going to happen. Um, you know, but there's going to be people, you know, that that are going to basically is going to have to be there's going to have to be a significant change in the process or in party leadership uh, for that to happen very easily. Yeah. And so. So uh, back to our chronological breakdown of the breakdown. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. That's a good one. Um, so as Copyright the severance, I will. Okay. Um, as the severance tax is being debated on the floor, Governor Wolf was calling his press conference. This was, again, I mean, as far as House Republicans were concerned, a very unexpected press conference. They didn't know what he was going to say. Yeah. They were wrapped up in something else at the moment. Um, I think it was telegraphed to Democrats, though. Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, there was some Democratic meeting. 
meetings uh, right before actually the severance tax happened. You had Senate Minority Leader Jay Costa talking with the governor. You had the entire House Democratic leadership team talking with the governor. And look, I think I think the move to do the, the discharge resolution was largely a product of we've tried everything else. Let's you know if put all the cards we're, on the right, table. We're gonna we're gonna hail mary this, and you know if if, it, if if they drop it in the end zone, then so be it. But at least we tried. Right. Um, so while that was sort of in the middle of, of, you know, sort of going under the water, the governor comes out and says, hey, look, enough, enough is enough. I think he said, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. Republicans haven't been able to live up to the promises they've made to get a budget done. Um, and they did vote for the spending plan. Right. They voted for a spending plan. And so he's like, I'm, it's going to be up to me now to manage the state's finances. I'm taking over. And I'm going to make sure that this fiscal year we get through without as little as pain as possible for all the programs that we promised that we wanted to fund. So education, opioid crisis. Um, you know, he, pro- he said he's not going to lay off workers. Right, human um, services. Um, right, human services, yeah. all sorts of different things. So, um, you know, he said, you know, can I talk about what he planned on doing? Yes. So okay. his plan is to securitize our Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board. So what does that mean? Well, sort of. So, yeah. Um, so... Every year, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board transfers essentially its profits into the state general fund. Mm-hmm. What this plan does now, the governor's office has, the, like the administration, actually has no ability to do this themselves. Right. What what this plan does is that basically the governor has asked the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board to go out on its own and securitize or monetize those future payments into this year. So. $1.25 billion in future payments would be basically a cash advance uh, to plug last year the 16-17 deficit. Now, that would be paid out of a 20-year uh, annual transfer, so an annual payment of about 85 to $90 million right. from off the top of that transfer from the Liquor Control Board into the general fund. So they would be basically saying, okay, let's say that the general fund or the Liquor Control Board would, 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 would put in um, two hundred million dollars into the general fund. Well, right off the top of that comes the ninety million dollars. They would transfer one ten in the general fund. Ninety million goes to that debt service. Right. Um, so, and so now this debt service payments. I mean, this comes on top of a lot of other obligations that the right. liquor control board has. So that's what a lot of people are concerned about. This right. is already an agency that's. I mean, you know, can struggle sometimes to make its payments, and we're sure. adding more to it. Sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that that you know, they the liquor control board came out and said, look, we we have not fallen below the necessary amount of services debt for uh, over a decade. So they've had at least $80 million in transfers to the general fund over the last, you know, 10 years to be able to do that. So they're not worried. And, of course, now with the liquor reforms of last session, they have the ability to vary prices. So they can always raise prices to cover this this thing. They can do whatever they need to. And it seemed that the administration was trying to sell it as a less risky securitization than the tobacco settlement fund stuff that was being floated out there, right. too. Some programs are funded through the tobacco settlement right. fund, which would have to be compromised if we're going to securitize that. And this general fund transfer does not because it's just money going into the pot, and it's not earmarked for anything necessarily right. particular. Now, yeah. um, so it's unclear, first of all, if um, the governor you know, is going to be able to do this. The PLCB hasn't really said one way or another, like, this is definitely going to work. This no, they hedged. They yeah. hedged. They said, we're going to work on it. Yeah. Um, now, one of the reasons I think it's pretty fair to say that the governor chose the PLCB as the thing to securitize is that privatizing liquor in Pennsylvania has been a major uh, priority for a lot of House Republicans. Right. Sometimes, specifically House Speaker Mike Terzai. That's his pet project. And now... Um, 
obviously, if you're, you know, relying on the PLCB to make these debt service payments for 20 years down the line, it makes it an awful lot harder to privatize that. Right. And I, I have also heard, I've heard two things in relation to that. One, that there might be a clause in the, like, agreement for the securitization that they, they cannot privatize the system. But I've also heard that it might not necessarily kill privatization entirely because if they don't do that, then if they sell off the whole system, all they would have to do is pay off the $1.25 billion or whatever is left of it right. with the proceeds of the privatization. Now, now it, is, yeah. it adds a more complicating layer right. to it, privatization. It for, sure, it for sure does. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is definitely, I think, a calculated decision of all, of all the dedicated funding streams that come into the general fund. For the governor to choose this one, particularly one which he cannot authorize himself, uh, I think is, is a, you know, if, if the message is not intentional, uh, the unintentional message is pretty clear. Yes. And so now um, getting into, you know, the implications of this decision, um, if this is in fact the plan going forward, right. then it really cools off negotiations. Right. Because, you know, now the House and the Senate can say, all right, fine, we're paying for stuff. Like, this is kind of going to get us through the year, or it could. I mean, obviously, it, you know, doesn't necessarily deal with all of our debts, but, you know, it could if we don't authorize $600 million in funding that's hanging out there, and that's non-preferred funding for uh, state-related universities like Penn State, Temple, Lincoln, uh, Penn State Vet School, uh, some of their agriculture programs. Pitt, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's all of them. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a really big deal that I think hasn't been discussed at all. Sure. Uh, yeah, and I wrote about that yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the, the, that can have some devastating impacts on these schools. And I've heard, you know, throughout the year, because this is not the first idea that this was time this was floated. So the governor actually in his budget address, uh, if you remember, in his original proposal, floated the idea of not sending money to the Penn Vet school. Uh, so that's about a $40 million uh, a year appropriation to yeah. them. So he, he proposed eliminating that. The speaker uh, in the middle of the spring actually also floated not funding the state related outside of Lincoln and Penn Vet. So he Mike said, Terzai. Yeah, the speaker, Mike Terzai, said, you know, Lincoln and Penn Vet, we need to keep going. But the other ones, we really have to question because obviously, I mean, you're talking about no little amount of money going to these, these schools from the state. I mean, you know, actually, I think some of the, the state the, the state related universities probably have more of an annual revenue source than than the actual state does in <laughs> uh, some of their endowments and different things. So, I mean, you know, the money to I think some of these schools, you know, to them, I'm not saying it's insignificant, but it's a lot for the state. And really, at the end of the day, I mean, I think Senate Majority Leader Jay Corman, who represents Penn State, said, look, Penn State's going to have 44,000 students next year. The makeup of those students might be different in the absence of state funding. But Penn State's going to be able to survive. I'm sure Pitt's going to be able to survive. Lincoln, maybe not. Yeah. They get a quarter of their money from 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 the state. Yeah. Uh, and Penn Vet, I mean, they're the only state vet veterinary school in the state. Yeah. Uh, they they do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, um, the long and short of this is this is uh, going to be a controversial thing. There hasn't right. been any discussion about really whether we're going to fund these or not. A lot right. of people have said, you know, maybe we just shouldn't. A lot of House Republicans, I've heard 
would fully support not funding these. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, That's a real I mean, thing. same kind of thing in the Senate. I mean, obviously, a lot of lawmakers also have really deep connections to these schools. Like half of our legislature went to Penn State. Sure. Obviously, that's not accurate, but lots of them yeah. did. Um, so this is going to be something that gets discussed, and I think a lot of serious discussions are going to happen on it. But we don't know. Well, and it does keep the pressure on. It, uh, does. it is the one so one area. It's where like still two pressure, pressure points right. at this point. So it's you know whether or not we really want to privatize the liquor industry, and if we do, then maybe securitizing it isn't the best idea. Right. And then do we want to fund these schools? Those well, are the two things that could bring the legislature. Back, I and, think. and I would add maybe a third thing, too, because I reached out to Treasurer Joe Torcella's office to say, hey, look, you know, you said he, the treasurer said he needs a balanced budget right. in order to resume this short term borrowing because our cash flow issues have not been resolved. So, of course. Um, you know, we have big payments coming up at the end of October. And they said, look, we, we, we really haven't looked at this. We can't say one way or the other what we're what we're going to be doing. But. You know, when, if, if payments can't be made, if he says, look, this is not enough, I'm not going to be doing there's. Like that that still means that some of these big payments can't be made. We have so huge school payments right. at the end of October. Wolf's plan will not be near ready by then. Right. So, I mean, it's definitely going to still be a question of whether the treasurer is going to supply us a loan. Right, exactly. So you have three things that are still kind of floating out yeah. there that can keep the pressure on. Now, the pressure off probably might maybe just be till the 16th. People go home. And, you know, look, there's, you know, I've seen budget impasses before. People go home. You know, they they kind of get their lives back in order. They see, you know, they see they their see family. Their yeah, yeah, it's all that. I mean, all that. I mean, they're it's they're important. humans too. Yeah. yeah, and they come back and they take a breather and they say, "Look, okay, we can actually think through some of this stuff rationally." Um, now, whether that that political pressure changes how the votes work out is one thing, but the ability to rationally move through this process, I think, is something that has been missing for a few months yeah. because people are scrambling to get it done. Yeah, and so now let's talk about um, sort of like the interpersonal fallout from all these decisions. Because <laughs> yeah. all this, I mean, we brought you through really like Wednesday afternoon. And yeah. then, I mean, there's just been a whole lot of, you know, emotional people running around Harrisburg after that. And so <laughs> after Wolf's press conference let out, we were all in there. And yeah. we literally exited his office to find really the entire leadership of um, the House of Representatives yes. just standing in the hallway. And, uh, you know, House <laughs> Majority Leader Dave Reed, I came out just in time to hear this, and I'm glad that I did. He was basically, somebody had asked him, I think it was Dennis Owens, yeah. um, had asked him, if, you know, if he wants to be governor. And um, he said, no, I don't know why anyone would want to be governor. I don't know why anyone would want to be House Majority Leader. <laughs> yeah. so he was clearly upset. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what did we hear, I guess, from him first, and then we immediately heard from House Democrats right after he was finished talking to right. us. So it was really uh, Yes, yeah, so everybody got their jabs in yeah. on Wednesday afternoon. And <laughs> um, it, it was so, yeah, I think there was from House Republicans, I, I'll say I think I think um, if, if there's sort of a theme from all of their comments, it would be like, where's the trust? Yeah. Um, I think they felt really betrayed. Yeah, because I think they were committed to work through this regardless of what that took. And they felt like they had a number of commitments from House Democrats to really get their members in line and put up votes, and they couldn't do it. And they felt like, I, I mean, there was, I think, a real feeling that they were going to cede their majority of the majority. They were yeah. going to put up a minority n uh, number of their members, uh, you know, less than half of their caucus, to support some of these plans, which is big because and earlier, Speaker Terzai really, really went after the Senate for doing the same thing. Yeah. And the fact that they were willing to get that done 
is, is huge. It's huge. And these are, again, like, and I think this kind of gets lost, these are tax increases. They're not right. the tax increases that the Democrats want. They want a severance tax. Right. But uh, nevertheless, this hotel thing, this warehouse thing, they're not proposals that House Republicans are naturally going to want to support. No, and they, I mean... And they're putting up these plans. And, and I think I think they're, they're, they're right in a lot of respects to sort of deflect some of that blame because, one, they have a huge majority, and they, they're allowed to... To, to act like they're in the majority in their chamber. I mean, you know, there are more House Republicans than there are, you know, I, I'm kind of running the numbers in my head. Maybe there's they, they're outnumbered by like 10 people yeah. if you combine the House Democratic Caucus, the Senate Republican Caucus, and the Senate Democratic Caucus. Um, but they, they, you know, they've got but, most of the people. Right. They have, they have a huge number of people in their chamber and in, in, their, in their majority, and, and they have every right to say, look, we are not going to support taxes. They, they, they're, and that's and that's fine. It's not a new thing. No, it's not. I mean, they're they're not going to stop them from being Republicans. And um, you know, I think they came in this week looking to deal and to get this done, and they really did feel betrayed. Now, of course, on the other, the flip side of that, right? You had then we had House uh, Frank, Frank, Frank Dermody, the House <laughs> yeah. Minority Leader, who um, is. Uh, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was. He made a surprise <laughs> um, guest appearance. Yes, who was saying, no, look, you know, the, the Republicans have failed to lead. They have a huge majority. So he flipped it, right? So they have a huge majority. It's their responsibility to put proposals on the on the table that everybody can agree to. And and they have failed in that responsibility. And, and also a very fair argument. Um, you know, so I said at the beginning, this is going to be a thing where we talk about everybody's right and everybody's wrong. Right. Um, you know, but, at, you know, at the same time, I, I don't think that, you know, the House Democrats were going to be putting up 70 votes for a hotel tax. You know, they had a couple dozen at best uh, right. when, at the highest whip count. So, And again, like it has to be said, like this hotel tax would <laughs> inordinately affect cities, which is where the sure. Democrats are. It's Philadelphia and it's Pittsburgh. Sure. But and I mean, some, you know, in the middle of the state as well. And I don't think they could lift with a, with a huge portion of their caucus, the warehouse tax. Right. I, they definitely had balked at the gross receipts tax that the Senate set over. So. I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, their leadership, I think, I think, look, I think everybody was in a room with the leaders and the leaders would say, well, look, we're going to go back and try or I'm going to commit to trying on this. And then they would go back and they, they, it couldn't get done. And so, you know, when you go in and you, and you promise to, to try to do something and then you can't deliver on that. Yeah. There's a trust relationship that's, that's sort of broken there because, you know, what is, what is your attempt to try me? And it really doesn't mean a lot at the end of the day when neither caucus can lift something on, on their own or even with the help of the, you know, of this portion of the other caucus. So, um, yeah, I mean, everybody's right in, the, in their statements. Everybody's wrong. But at the same time, um, you know, how, despite how righteous everybody might be leaving on, on Wednesday with those arguments, um, it's still not done. It's still so, not done. Yeah. And on the Senate side, you had the same thing. So, yeah, we actually you had Senate Majority Leader Jake Corman, who was very, you know, I would probably say more measured in his remarks. Not really blaming anybody, but really just expressing these concerns for the state related. Of course, and he readily admitted he's a senator from Penn State. Right. Um, so no one's happy. <laughs> no, no, no. Certainly nobody um, is happy, um, except except probably a small, I would say maybe a small minority of of House Republicans, so yes. even a small minority, who are going to be fine with a cuts-only budget. I, I'm, I'm not mean to plug my work, but I wrote on that a couple weeks ago. And there's definitely people out there who are absolutely their end game was to have this budget solved with cuts alone. Right. And, I mean, that really looks like what the – I think the closest option in front of them, if they just want to say, all right, whatever, it's done. Right. That's that's what it is. It's going to be a cuts-only budget with the securitization of the liquor industry. So now, um, you know, I mean, 
really, that's how we really know at this point. I think that we've kind of reached the end of like <laughs> how far we can prognosticate about this. Although we have seen, I mean, in the just in the day or two you know, after all this happened, you know, there's been fallout. People are yep. still criticizing each other. If you go on Twitter and you look at any lawmaker's profile, they're all yelling at each other on social media. Yep. Uh, the House Republicans are still very, very bitter about Governor Wolf again taking this different direction that they hadn't known about. They're saying, well, hey, he should manage. Why didn't he do this three months ago so we could right. avoid a credit downgrade? Credit downgrade still might have happened. But, uh, or, or they might happen in the future because we have no recurring revenue. Exactly. So. And, you know, the credit agencies have said we want you guys to pass recurring revenue. Otherwise, you know, it's not good enough. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, in some ways this is kind of resolved. In other ways it's really not. Yeah, the governor's, the governor's move has not solved our problems. No. But it has deferred having to deal with them once again, which – I mean, is is you know sort of the kick the can down the road mentality that that has sort of gotten where people you that's know that's why we're here in the first place. right exactly and, and and that's not I don't think it's I mean the governor said this is not how government's supposed to work but you know it's another patch on another bad year and I think you know look I think that the elements that would like to see a cuts only budget are going to go back and they're going to look what the governor did and say look see we didn't need such a big spend number after all yeah see look what have we been doing after after all these years um, you know look. Why are we increasing the spend this year? Obviously, we got by with X. You know, we downsized the, the scope of government. You know, why are we? Why do we need a thirty-two point two billion dollar or a thirty-two billion dollar budget? Yeah. Why can't we roll it back to thirty-one five? But at the end of the day, and I think this is worth noting, like that is a majority of the House. The House of Representatives did overwhelmingly vote for the spending plan that we sure. have. So, Absolutely. I mean, you could make the argument that listen, like this section of the House of Representatives is sort of holding up funding this budget. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, I mean, I think that's a very fair thing to say. And I, th- I think there's also, um, I don't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry. You're no good. Uh, I'm um, that, uh, you know, I, I'd be interested to see if, if in in the near future, whether again there is a, a budget without a revenue plan, um, because that has worked out not very well this year. Yeah, no, this year it's been sort of a nightmare for everyone involved. Um, all right. Well, hey, I think that kind of brings us to to the present day where we're just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop on how they decide to deal with all this. Um, yeah. But, yeah, going forward, is there anything specifically you're going to be looking at? We mentioned schools. You mentioned whether this is legal for the governor to securitize the liquor industry. Yeah, I think some of those questions will probably be being looked at by uh, by myself and some of our other uh, newsroom you know, colleagues in, in, the, in the near term. Um, but... I think I think some of the the bigger questions are going to be come the middle of the month. What happens with our mandated payments? Yeah. Um, how exactly is the governor going to pull? I mean, the one point two five billion dollars. Okay, but we still have a hole this year. Everybody was saying they're a hundred million dollars apart, but that includes that is assuming that the Senate passes that that, that not the Senate, but that they pass a gaming bill right. that they pass these other reps. So we're still really, you know, um, you know, if, if all in say. They do pass the state related. I mean, it could be as as bad as six hundred, seven hundred million dollars now. Yeah. And the governor did say, if they do pass the state related, I'll try to make it work. I mean, he was not foreclosing those getting to his desk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think we still have a lot of questions. Um, there's a lot of answers. And the governor was not very specific. He said, "I'm going to manage the compliment. I'm going to try to monetize more state assets, which God might put the the farm show um, leasing lease 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 back into yeah. play." Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's something that – and the legal, the, whether the, the securitization is legal too. <laughs> lot, lots of questions. Um, I don't think anybody really knows what to feel. Anybody knows what to think. 
Um, I think legislators are probably emotionally and physically exhausted. And who knows? I mean, we might come back here on the 16th refreshed and ready to go. Um, I don't think anybody really wants to. I, I told somebody this kind of reminds me. I was watching the Vietnam thing by Ken Burns. This kind of reminds me. I said, this is the Vietnam budget. You know, we, we kind of know how we got here. And we all agree that it's really bad, but we also, nobody can really agree exactly on how to get it done and how to get out of it. They're not that far apart. They just really can't close that final bit. Right, yeah. So anyway, I guess if you take away one thing from this podcast, it's that we don't have a budget um, and we don't have anything resembling a balanced budget, no matter, I mean, you know, governor's decision regardless, notwithstanding, we... There's still more to do, and we'll continue covering this. It'll keep us busy, at least. It'll keep us busy. It'll keep us in jobs. Um, All right, Jason, I think that does it for the week. All right, Katie, thank you. Thank you, everybody. We will be back next week with hopefully more information or not. We will uh, keep you posted.